Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I am your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our series on a biblical response to heresy. And if you've listened to the previous episodes, uh, you know the intent of this topic, which is to embrace truth and reject falsehood. And truth is as we said earlier, came out of the nature of God. God is the initiator of truth. God is the creator of truth. It isn't the ability for man to define what truth is. God has already defined what truth is. God had already created truth. Truth came with the creation of the universe. God deposited truth out of his nature. What man is asked to do is to discover truth not to recreate truth. And in today's society, many people are trying to recreate truth. They're trying to redefine manhood. They're trying to redefine womanhood. They're trying to redefine responsibility of parents. They're trying to redefine salvation. They're trying to redefine church ethics. So man is constantly under change. We are constantly under change. And as such, we must, we must be mindful of who God is. God is the one who changes not. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because we underchange, we must be careful in regards to our belief system. We are under change. Things that you thought were true when you were younger, because you are under change and you are developing, now you see that it wasn't true at all. That person really wasn't good for you. That investment really wasn't a wise decision. So we are under change. And because of that, we're susceptible to um, making mistakes. We're susceptible to making wrong choices. This is why it's so important that we have someone who changes not because he's the ruler. He, he is the one that we compare our life's decisions to. He, he is the plumb line. God is the one that's constant. It's good to have consistency so that we can compare our momentary choices to. This is why it's important to know God. This is why it's important to know Jesus. This is why it's important to know his words because his words change us not. Not one tittle will pass, as the passage says in the New Testament. God changes not. His word changes not. And we should be comforted in knowing that we have someone who changes not, someone who's constant. His love is not peculiar. His love is not iffy. His love is not uh, uh, dissimulative, meaning that it's not hypocritical. So God is the one constant that we can depend on. Some people that we thought we could depend on, we realized that we couldn't depend on. So false theology is a misapplication uh, of God's truth. 
it is often seen as perverted, as Paul uses in Galatians, the first chapter, when he says, I'm, I'm astonished, I'm summarizing. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so soon removed from the gospel which called you into grace. But it's really not another gospel because there are some who will pervert the gospel for their own use. It's really not another gospel. But yet they are twisting it. They're perverting it. They, they are using what many apologists call scriptural twisting, uh, like a pretzel. They, they're manipulating the word of God in their own way and for their own purposes. And those things that they're saying sounds good, but they are contradictory to what God says in the word. So, for example, in the third century, there was a gentleman by the name of Arius, A-R-I-U-S. And Arius um, promoted his brand of theology, and it became known as Arianism. Uh, His name was Arius, but his brand of theology which called on in the third uh, in the three hundreds was called Arianism, and what Arianism espoused or taught is that the uh, that Jesus was not fully God, that he was a lesser God, that Jesus was not eternal but created, and Arius, the bishop of Alexandria, uh, who lived in the three uh, hundreds. Um, they used scriptures such as Colossians 1.15, where it says uh, he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And he says, aha, see right there, uh, Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. So they're taking that literally. But the problem is that word firstborn uh, doesn't mean uh, first created. It means first in rank. The word that Paul used was uh, prototokos. In the Greek, that means first in rank, that Jesus is the first in rank of all creation. In other words, Jesus like, is like the general. Jesus uh, um, is the general of all creation. Uh, Jesus is the uh, person that holds creation together. So, uh, all of creation is under the prowess of Jesus. He's first in rank over all creation, not in terms of his ontology. If it was dealing with his ontology, meaning his beingness, then that means that Jesus would have been first created. But that's not the word that Paul uses here. Paul uses the word prototokos, which means first in rank. It's dealing with his duty, not his ontology, his function, not his beingness. So, if Paul wanted to say Jesus was first created, there's a Greek word that he could have used, protokistos. But he didn't use the word protokistos. He used the word prototokos. And that's important. I'm sure some of you all are listening to this and saying to yourself, I'm not, I'm not in a Greek class. I don't really know what you're talking about. But what I'm trying to share with you is within the, uh, the framework of hermeneutics, the science and art of biblical interpretation. If we were taking a, a Bible study course, we would be dealing with hermeneutics. So in this context, this is all I need you to remember. In this context, Paul is talking about Jesus being uh, firstborn as it relates to his duties, not in relationship to his nature. That's the distinction. Paul is talking about Jesus' function as the Son of God, 
and how it relates to the rest of nature. And he's not talking about Jesus being or his ontology. So that was a mistake by Arius. And um, th- that uh, thought, that worldview was condemned by the Council of Nicaea. Then there was another movement early on in Christianity. And this one is called Doceticism. D-O-C-I-T-I-S-M. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. And this is the false teaching that Jesus was not actually man at all. And he only appeared to be a man. It comes from the Greek word dokio, which means appear. So uh, doceticism, doceticism argued that um, the appearance of Christ was just that. Uh, he wasn't, uh, he didn't really didn't have a physical body. Uh, he only appeared uh, to be human. And, uh, and again, doceticism is a form of Gnosticism. And this uh, cited scripture, just as, uh, such as 1 John 4, 1 through 3, 2 John 7. And so if you look at 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the word, into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is, acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Again, uh, this is a mistranslation on part of the docetic movement uh, claiming that you can use this scripture to argue that uh, Jesus was not a fully, fully man, but only appeared to be a man. This scripture says nothing about that. Uh, this scripture is talking about exactly this topic of heresy, which is um, to contrast uh, what others are saying by the word of God, meaning that we ought to test the spirit by the spirit. So if, uh, if someone is saying something, you need to compare it to the scripture. And if what they're saying is biblical, then that means that it came from the Holy Ghost. That means that it came from the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error. And so that's what uh, John is trying to convey in First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He's not talking about the humanity of Jesus Christ. That's not what this text is talking about. If you want to uh, uh, find a text that deals with Christ's humanity uh, or his ontology, his beingness, his nature, then you go to uh, John, the first chapter, or you go to Philippians, the second chapter. Uh, those verses were written to highlight Christ's uh, makeup, his manness, and his humanness. So uh, it's important that when we look at the Bible, that we read it and interpret it in light of sound hermeneutics, in, ter- in light of sound doctrine. And when we don't do that, when you just go to the Bible without knowing proper hermeneutics, then the conclusion many of the times will be false. Then there was another movement called Montanism, M-O-N-T-A-N-I-S-M. It was a heretic movement uh, which was found in the second century, meaning uh, the 100s A.D. Uh, The founder was a gentleman by the name of Montanus, and he taught that the paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit, spoke through him. It's very important um, that you make note of it. Number one, that is a signal that something's not right. The Holy Spirit 
He is the conduit between us and God. He is the interpreter between us and God. He is God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, once you accept Jesus Christ, speaks to you directly. The Holy Spirit um, is not going through another conduit to get to you. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit, once you're saved, he's not going through another conduit to get to you. But here, Montanus is saying that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. Which means other people have to find Montanus if they want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have to go and find this man if this was true. That means they would have to go to him to get the word of God. They would have to go to him to get the interpretation of what God is talking about. And that's not the case. That's not biblical. That's heretical. And in many cases, this is something that uh, Catholicism is promoting this whole idea that you go through a man to forgive your sins. You go through a man to absolve you of your sins, uh, to, to pay absolvances. And this was the whole issue that Martin Luther was dealing with. He had an issue with uh, men having to go to a priest to get their sins absolved. And Martin Luther said, that's not the case. Uh, uh, that's not what I read in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says we can go to to Jesus on our own. So this was the Montanistic uh, movement. Um, he had uh, two ladies that joined him in his, um, his, his false professions. He claimed to have the final revelation. That's another signal that something is wrong. Montanus was sent, not only uh, was Montanus saying that the Holy Spirit spoke through him uh, exclusively, but yet he's also saying that he had the final revelation. So if he had the final revelation, then what about the role of Jesus and, and his work? What about the role of the Holy Spirit? And so it's, it's very important. doesn't matter how articulate someone is. doesn't matter how much education someone has. Always test the spirit by the spirit. Test the spirit by the spirit. And so uh, Montanus, along with Priscilla and Max, Maximilla, uh, those were his associates, these two ladies, um, work with him in, in, in trying to convert people in this false theology that Montanus was the exclusive uh, voice of the paraclete or the Holy Spirit and that he had final revelation uh, in terms of the gospel. And then they would use um, uh, charismatic uh, occasions to convert people or to bring people to their uh, brain of theology and what I mean by that is uh, they would go into certain trances and, and uh, they, 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 they would uh, portray or convey this idea that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them while they go through these trances and these convulsions. Uh, and uh, people thought that they were actually uh, being used by the Holy Spirit to appeal to other people. So that was the Montanistic movement. Then, lastly, uh, my last example is Sibelianism. Uh, and this is another uh, false, uh, false doctrine. And Sibelianism is also called modalism uh, in the sense that uh, Sibelius was teaching and preaching that God existed in different modes, that God was the Father, then God became the Son, then God became the Holy Spirit. So the distinction there is removed within the Godhead. So when Sibelius says, 
the father became the son, the son became the Holy Spirit, then that basically contradicts the doctrine of the three in oneness of the Godhead. And we as Christians have always held to this um, uh, theistic view and doctrine of the Godhead being the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, being one God, but yet uh, three persons. That's the view that we've always had. And some people call it the uh, Trinitarian doctrine. I call it the three in oneness doctrine. Uh, either way, it's taught. Um, and and um, I don't have time to even argue uh, to those that say that this doctrine was borrowed from paganism, which is not true, by the way. But that's a whole nother show. So Sibelius uh, held on to this view that God existed in different modes that the father became the son, then the son became the Holy Spirit. And a perfect uh, argument for this, you'll find in the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus is being baptized, and the father says, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And it says the Holy Spirit then descended on Jesus like a dove. So here we have all three present, but yet distinctly um, in, in, in different places. The father speaking, Holy Spirit descending, Jesus uh, being um, baptized. So here we have all three distinctly portrayed, not the same, meaning that Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. Jesus is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. Uh, So we we must be true to what the Scripture is telling us, not what we believe we want to say about the Scriptures. We have to test what we say through the Scriptures. So you have uh, these ancient heretical movements that I just highlighted, whether it's Arianism, whether it's Docetism, whether it's the Montanistic movement or Sibelianism, all of these were heretical movement because they were teaching theology that was contrary to what the Bible espouses. And then in modern times, we have things such as pantheism, uh, which asserts that God is all and all is God. Uh, the whole universe is God or, or parts that makes up God. So in pantheism, they are erasing the distinction between the creator versus what he created. So if the earth is God, if the tree is God, if the wind is God, if the ocean is God, then where's the distinction? That means that God is the same as what he created, and that's not Bible. Right. Meaning all of these things we see in nature can be God. And that's not what the Bible tells us. Uh, Pantheism erases the distinction between the creator and the created. And then panentheism uh, and panentheism is similar, but it's it's spelled differently. Number one is P-A-E-N-E-N-T-H-E-I-S-M, panentheism. Uh, God, and, and they argue that God is transcended from the universe, but the universe is a manifestation of God. God's presence is everywhere, but yet he transcends all things. So it's a little bit different. And so the whole point is this. Even if you don't remember the names of all of these heretical movements, this is the principle that all of us need to carry with us. God is all about truth. God is all about truth. Truth as defined by him, not truth necessarily that we find in the world, 
uh, the world's truth uh, can be in line uh, with some of the principles God has said, but oftentimes it's not, right? God gave us, gave us general revelation that all men and women uh, can find. You don't have to be a Christian to know math. You don't have to be a Christian uh, to study science. You don't have to be a Christian to know uh, how to uh, take care of your family. All of these are, are come under general knowledge that God has given to all of humanity. But God encourages us to accept his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to accept Jesus Christ. Why? Because with Jesus comes special revelation, special revelation. So not only do you have general revelation as a Christian, you have special revelation. And that special revelation and general revelation can only work the way it needs to if you're standing on God's truth, if you're standing on biblical truth. General revelation only takes you so far. But at the end of the day, you still will need Jesus. At the end of the day, you still will need God. And this is where special revelation is so important. Special revelation brings up uh, uh, about discernment. You can't have Holy Ghost discernment if you're not a Christian. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and show you things that you can't see in the natural. He will keep you from things that can harm you. The Holy Spirit keeps you on a, path, on a path of righteousness for his namesake. That's what special revelation does for us as Christians. There's benefits to knowing God, benefits on standing on his word. God wants you to live in truthfulness, whereas Satan wants you to live in falsehood. And Satan will use a little bit of truth, but yet it'll be tainted with cyanide. It'll be tainted with um, heresy. It'll be tainted with bad teachings. And before you know it, you're further away from God than you desire to be. So it's important that we drink the healthy milk versus milk that looks good, but it's tainted with falsehood. That's what these uh, previous uh, episodes have been about. Getting us to look at the truthfulness of God's word and taking it seriously. Taking it seriously because uh, false doctrine hurt people. False doctrine takes us further away from God. Well, that concludes our series on a biblical response to heresy. But before we close, I wanted to just uh, thank all of you that showed up to the 2022 Apologetics Boot Camp. It was a, a blessing. We had a good time. We were able to talk about God as it relates to cosmology and astrology, even biblical archaeology. And we even dealt with contemporary issues and how Christians can respond to it. Uh, our youth enjoyed themselves. It was it was great event. And if you like to attend, uh, go on our website and we'll shortly put up the date for next year's apologetics boot camp. Uh, we, we just thank the parents who, through faith, came out on that Saturday morning to share uh, with us. And we thank the teachers, uh, all uh, nine classes. Uh, that came to share and impart God's word and God's truth to our young people. And if you are a listener of this show, we thank you. And as always, if you'd like to donate, which we encourage all of our listeners to donate, um, because we have great work that we have to do, uh, we ask that you go on our website, srministries.org. And remember, to always do for the truth what others may do for a lie. God bless you.
Amen. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.